Israelis and Palestinians together at a political level, and they are, and uh, at the uh, and the Polish Shrine. And uh, as I uh, affirmed a friend. I'm the fully awake and caffeinated Dave Rubin. Today's July 19th in the year 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Uh, if you have not subscribed to those channels, please go ahead and do that and join us for a post-game show at rubinreport.locals.com. We also have a live chat going on right now and you can talk to people that are in this room who can communicate with me. It's live, it's happening, it's real. Uh, we have a tremendous show for you. Today, we are diving right back into the political fight because it's it's percolating. Uh, Joe Biden sleeping during press conferences, but other things are happening. And the stark difference between the main players is becoming more and more obvious. We have one man who is 80 plus years old who is falling asleep, who can't, you know, basically lay out one complete sentence without slurring and everything else. Uh, we've got Trump. We kind of know what Trump is. We've got DeSantis. I think more and more people are realizing what DeSantis is, and then there's a whole bunch of other players in the game. Uh, but the big thing yesterday, a couple big hits actually, big media hits yesterday. The big one though, was that a lot of people, a lot of people who like DeSantis, a lot of people on my side of this operation have been saying DeSantis needs to go and start doing some of the corporate press, knowing they're gonna lie about him, knowing that they lie about everything, but you gotta get in the game. You gotta do more viral moments. You gotta fight back. You gotta figure out new ways of being in combative interviews, uh, not just beyond with the friendlies. I think that's an absolutely uh, fair criticism. So DeSantis finally yesterday went on CNN for the first time uh, as a presidential candidate, went on Jake Tapper. Jake is obviously a Democrat. It's, you know, he doesn't say it outwardly, but obviously is. They got into it on a bunch of stuff. We're gonna show you some clips with that. And then Donald Trump last night, fresh off this, this new ridiculous January 6th indictment, uh, went on Hannity, another town hall with Hannity. He does these every few months. Uh, this is after he skipped the big Blaze Forum with Tucker. I would have loved to have seen him there. I think that would have been good for him. And I think it would have been good for everybody and Tucker and all of us. Anyway, he went to Hannity. We're gonna compare and contrast, and uh, we are gonna talk about a couple other things that are happening culturally right now, and then I believe we have some humor loaded into the program today as well. So it's a big one for you. And before we get to all that, let me talk to you guys about Gravity Defier Shoes. How much is it worth to not feel pain every step you take? From walking the dog, to running the kids, from school to practice, it all takes a toll. Well, you need to check out Gravity Defier shoes. Whether you're wearing them on the job or you or to get to your daily step count, these Gravity Defier shoes are revolutionary. Walking and running in normal shoes creates shockwaves that course through your feet, knees, and hips, forcing the body to absorb as much as a thousand pounds of harmful impact with every step. Gravity Defier shoes are clinically shown to relieve knee pain in a double-blind study with Olive View UCLA Medical Center and published in the Journal of American Podiatric, podiatric, that's a word, I guess. Not, oh, podiatric, podiatric? All right, uh, Medical Association participants experienced 85% less knee pain. Here's the deal, guys. Try a pair risk-free for 60 days and experience the difference they can make in your life. It's the most powerful shock absorption system ever put into a shoe. Buy a pair today and save 15% with free returns and easy exchanges. You have nothing to lose. Go to gravitydefier.com, use code RUBIN for a 15% discount on your first order. 
Test a pair risk-free and experience the difference they can make in your life. Go to gravitydefier.com, use code RUBIN for a 15% discount, and now back to me. So uh, many of you probably noted that yesterday's show, yesterday's Ruben Report, we were we were live at 2 p.m., not our normal 11 a.m. Eastern time. And the reason for that was I was over at the Valuetainment Studios in Fort Lauderdale for the Patrick Bet David podcast. Uh, Patrick and I got into, he, is, uh, he does mostly business stuff on his show, but it's sort of everything's colliding, right? Business, entertainment, politics, these things are all colliding into one thing. Uh, and he also is a guy much like me who moved himself, his family, several companies to Florida during COVID. Uh, and we got into what's going on uh, in the Republican race specifically. Uh, I mentioned him up top, something that I said to you guys on the show the other day, that there are kind of two things that you're looking for in a candidate that I think you should be looking for. Let's put it that way. Uh, number one, do you roughly agree with the policies, right? Does he roughly, this he or her, do they roughly make sense economically, whatever the social issues you are care about, foreign policy, borders, et cetera, does that kind of fit with what you like? Maybe not everything, but kind of. And the second thing, do you think they can accomplish it? And I think we should mostly be focusing on that because what they purport to believe or not is kind of irrelevant if they can't get any of it done. Anyway, Patrick and I got into what's going on here and uh, we're gonna show you two clips of that and then we'll get to DeSantis and Trump and a bunch more. Here we go. Do you think we are seeing and witnessing where the whole idea of what Nixon uh, 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 lost to John F. Kennedy years ago because yeah. Nixon was a very debate. qualified yeah. candidate, more qualified than John F. Kennedy. Nixon was essentially a Ron DeSantis. For, forget the Watergate example, just set that part aside, where Nixon had to learn how to go be a little bit more of a showman, yeah. more presentable, and he had to go work with some people behind closed doors. Do you think that's a fair criticism that Ron is getting? And do you think that's going to hurt him? Or do you think, no, I think it's irrelevant. He, can, he still has a shot. Well, you know, last time we sat on this very stage, which was probably about four months ago, uh, you brought that up, that there's a marketing issue with DeSantis. To me, that's, uh, and I'll repeat what I said that time, and then I'll give you a new twist on it. Uh, to me, that's a very solvable problem. I think what you want out of a candidate are two things. You want, basically, does this guy roughly believe in the things that I believe in politically? Are we, do we have enough stuff that we kind of agree on that I can support this guy? And then do you think that this guy can accomplish it? That's, that, I think, is the bigger one now, because I think we have a lot of people who say the right things, but can they actually do it? Now, in my estimation, obviously, DeSantis checks those two boxes. Okay, I suppose I just led into that clip with exactly what I said in that clip. So you get the point. That is what I think is the important thing. What, what Patrick is focused on, and he's a, he's a marketing business guy mostly, his argument so far is that he likes all of the policies of DeSantis, again, moved his family here, companies here, all of that stuff thriving in the free state of Florida. What he's been arguing for about a month and a half now is that since the DeSantis launch, there hasn't been a good enough marketing machine behind it to catch fire. I can't really argue with that, right? Like you can just, at the end of the day, uh, is, is the thing exploding the way I would want it to explode? Probably not. I believe, as I said yesterday, that in the tortoise and the hare, the hare usually wins. Uh, 
but we shall see. But there might be some marketing issue there, which is what he likens to the Nixon versus Kennedy debate from what was at, you know, like 62 or so, uh, when Nixon, you know, he's up there and he looks kind of gruff and sweaty and mur, 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 and Kennedy was very telegenic and pleasant and nice to listen to and all of those things. Uh, so let's get to one more clip from the PBD podcast as we unpacked all of this stuff a bit more in terms of what DeSantis could do to actually fix that if you believe it's an issue. Is there some level of a marketing thing? Well, look, he has not done your show. He absolutely should do your show. So I don't know where you guys are at internally with that, but he should. Uh, you know, just yesterday, I think they announced that he's doing Megyn Kelly finally. Now, she's been very critical of him, partially because he has not done her show. It's a great move to go on that show. Uh, he's going on t uh, Jake Tapper today uh, at 4 p.m. I saw that. That I so, saw. so that is an interesting moment. He go, you know, he's basically, his position with the mainstream media has basically been, you guys lie about everything, I'm not gonna play your game, as opposed to Trump where it's, you guys lie about everything, I'll constantly play your game. But now he's realizing, okay, I gotta get in on that. So we'll see what happens with him and Tapper. I would love to see the guy go on Rogan. He should, he should just say offhand, he should say, hey, I'll do Rogan, why not? Why wouldn't I do that three hour thing, not just the, the 20 minute thing? He should sit down with those harpies on The View and let them say all of the crazy BS non- Okay, I don't need to analyze myself, so let's dive right into it. Uh, yesterday, the governor went on Jake Tapper and uh, Tapper went after him, sort of, or, or opened it up by saying, you know, this, this thing ain't going that well, uh, to which DeSantis' reply was. So this issue gets into the, the state of the race because some of your supporters are disappointed that your campaign has yet to catch fire the way they would want in terms of polling. Uh, one Republican pollster, one who is sympathetic to you, I was asking her about your campaign, and she said she thought the issue was you bumped up at the beginning because voters, Republican voters, saw you as a more electable conservative like Trump, like you, Trump without the baggage. But then they say as you go further and further to the right on some of these divisive social issues that could alienate moderates, suburban moms, etc., Republican voters see you as less and less electable. Uh, what do you say to that analysis? Well, I don't think it's true. I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, I took a state that had been a one-point state, and we won it by 20 percentage points, 1.5 million votes. Uh, our bread and butter were people like suburban moms. Uh, we're leading a big movement for, for parents' rights, to have the parents be involved in education, school choice, get the indoctrination out of schools. Of course, there's bread and butter issues that matter, too. Inflation, uh, more economic opportunity. Florida's economy is ranked number one of all 50 states. We've worked hard uh, to make that happen. Crime, you see crime in all these different communities uh, that is now even going into suburbs in some areas. So it's interesting because the, the interview did not get too combative. I actually would have liked probably to have seen it got a little more combative, like DeSantis literally just out of nowhere be like, you know, Jake, how many times, uh, all due respect to your question, how many times did you call it don't say gay on this program? How many times has your network done that? Because you know the word gay wasn't in there. But okay, those fireworks didn't happen. But it's interesting, when I, when I called Jake Tapper a Democrat, or a Democrat activist, or an activist as opposed to a journalist, you can see the way he's framing that question. He says, well, there's this polar who says this, except DeSantis by, as his answer correctly pointed out, by focusing on the social issues, which are deeply important to moderates and mothers who don't want their kids sexualized and all of these things, 
DeSantis then won by a landslide. So the framing of the question, and that's one of the hardest things to get sort of the average non-political person to understand. They think people just sit down and everything's kind of equal. Uh, but Jake takes everything from a position, a leftist position. DeSantis, when you say he's been to the right on these social issues, uh, well, is it is it far right or even to the right to say that kids shouldn't be sexualized, that kids shouldn't be learning about, I don't know, hardcore anal sex while in third grade? Is that like a crazy position? Is that a position of the right? In which case, I guess most of us are far right. Uh, but it continued because that was Tapper's sort of main push point here, uh, that DeSantis is just too far right. I don't think that's the reason. I think the reason is, is uh, I was getting a lot of media attention at the time coming off the victory. I had to do my job as governor with my legislative session, and we had a great legislative session. We did a lot of great things, actually things that are appeal to huge majorities of the, of the population. So I think that that analysis is wrong. Um, but I had to do that. And so I was basically taking fire uh, really nonstop since then because a lot of people view me as a threat. I think the left views me as a threat because they think I'll beat Biden and actually deliver on all this stuff. And then, of course, people that have their allegiances within the allegiances in the Republican side, you know. Have okay, to me, that's a, a clean, clear answer. I say what I'm going to do. I'm doing it. I'm gonna be better than Trump, I can beat Biden, I'm running the way that I think I should run, then your opinions on that are, are completely up to you. But I think the next part of this is, you can't just be on the defense with these people. You have to lay out what that positive vision is, right? You have to do something that's aspirational for people. The aspirational part of DeSantis's core message, of course, was during COVID where when this very state that I am sitting in right at this moment uh, became the beacon of freedom for the entire world. Uh, here's DeSantis laying out more of what that vision looks like. And then the second thing I would say is, this country needs to have a debate about the country's future. If I'm the nominee, we'll be able to focus on President Biden's failures, and I'll be able to articulate a positive vision for the future. I don't think it serves us good to have a presidential election focused on what happened four years ago uh, in January. And so I wanna focus on looking forward. I don't wanna look back. I, I do not wanna see him. I hope he doesn't get charged. I don't think it'll be good for the country. Uh, but at the same time, I've gotta focus on looking forward, and that's what we're gonna do. Okay, so we'll get more, we'll get two more on the Trump indictment and DeSantis's response to the indictment and some of what the surrogates were doing and the lying and selectively edited videos and a whole bunch more. But there he's saying, we have, we have to put some of this stuff behind us and we have to start blazing a new trail. I wanna show you one more clip uh, from the interview for now, which was that a lot of people, I know not you guys, but a lot of sort of NPC type people who watch MSNBC and The View, uh, they think that Florida is a bastion of hatred. They think that we hate gay people and we hate black people and we are just xenophobic bigots and all of the other buzzwords. And of course, Jake had to ask him about that. In trans adults in the US, what are their lives and the lives of the people who love and support them going to be like under a DeSantis administration? Well, look, in the military, it's all about the mission first. So there's a whole bunch of reasons uh, why you focus on mission first people's individuality, it does take, you You do have to check that at the door. And that's not the only example. There's a whole host of other examples. So I think the military culture is unique in terms of that. Now, in terms of the larger issue, the question is, is, you know, what role does someone that's a man have in women's activities, even if they conceive of themselves to be a woman? I think it's wrong to have men compete in women's sports. And I understand some of those men conceive of themselves differently, but it's not fair to the girls who are competing. It's not fair to the women athletes, the swimmers who lost 
lost that national championship uh, to the Penn swimmer, I mean, they've been training too. So I don't think it's good for that. And I think having things like locker rooms where they're having to share uh, with somebody who's of the opposite sex, you know, I, I think is wrong. So I would respect everybody, but what I wouldn't do is turn society upside down uh, to be able to accommodate, which is a very, very small percentage of the population. Guys, I want to be clear, that is as good a clean, nuanced answer as you possibly can have related to all of this, I hate the letter thing, LGBT nonsense. He's delineating clearly the difference between, say, if you're a member of the military, why it complicates things, because mission is first above individuality, right? And he is a former uh, member of the Navy, okay? So that's, that's one thing right there, right? Then number two, he's talking about biological men in women's sports, the thing that we all know to be true, right? That biologically men are generally stronger and bigger and better at sports than women. It's just reality. Show me the chick who's ready to play in the NBA. She doesn't exist. Every single NBA player would be the MVP in the WNBA. We all know it. And then thirdly, he's saying, but I will treat everyone with Respect, you don't upend society for the minority. You wanna respect minorities, right? You wanna give them equality under the law. So he's not saying jail trans people. He's not saying they can't be in relationships. He's not saying they can't be married or any of those things. He's saying you just don't upend everything normal, everything sensible, everything that we've put to bed in the past in the name of the new minority hysteria of the day. And we all know that's true. And unfortunately, that's what we've, at least the, the modern left has been doing with virtually everything. So now let's move on to Trump a little bit. Uh, and I wanna give him a fair shake too. Uh, Trump went on Hannity last night. They did another one of these town halls. They seem to be doing them about once every month or so. Uh, and Hannity asked Trump about the deep state and whether he effectively dealt with it last time and kind of what he would do going forward if he becomes president again. You knew you rely on other politicians to give you answers and you find out that they are uh, rhinos or they gave you bad advice. So we had some that weren't good. But when you think uh, Comey had a term, he had many years left in that term. I said, this guy's bad news. I realized it very early, very early in the administration. I fired him. And it was wild. That's when we found out all of the corruption. Had I not fired Comey, you wouldn't know any of the things that you were talking you about. You think right they would have destroyed you? Well, they were trying to take me out. Yeah, they were trying to take me out. I mean, it was like a coup. It was like a coup. Had I not, you know, it's very interesting. Some people that are very smart, that you know very well, said when I did it, oh, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. You're going to cause. Now they say it was the greatest instinctual move they've ever seen because... Comey was a very bad guy, and Comey led that group of uh, thugs in there, and they were doing a number. They were, it's very dishonest. It's years and years of putting in people, Democrats and rhinos and other people, but putting them into office, and we got rid of a lot of them, but we're going to get rid of a lot more, a lot more, because you have some bad Okay, I want to... Uh, give Trump credit first before I even analyze anything there. He's saying something actually very honest at the beginning of this, which is that you get there and then you have a little time to figure out who the good guys and the bad guys are, right? I referenced it yesterday that he was a, a New York City real estate guy uh, and branding and marketing guy and TV host for you know decades before this. So getting to the DC swamp, I actually grant him a very, very long leash on figuring out how deep the swamp goes, who are the swamp members and all of those things. I think that that's absolutely uh, worth mentioning. What's interesting there is, you know, he's saying, you know, I got rid of Comey, uh, 
But of course, he replaced him with Christopher Ray, and the base basically hates Christopher Ray, and Christopher Ray was, in essence, as much uh, a part of the swamp as anybody. But okay, I'll, I'll take his word for it that he has learned some things and that he would do a better job next time. Uh, I thought it was worth jumping back to something from about two weeks ago. You may remember when Trump was on uh, Fox News with Brett Baer, and he asked him the same thing about the deep state and would he be able this time to hire the right people because the track record kind of isn't there. Okay, in 2016, you said that. I'm going to surround myself with only the best and most serious people. Well, I did do that. This and we time, had tremendous, look, we had the best economy we've ever had. This the world time, has ever seen. Your vice president, Mike Pence, is running against you. Yeah. Your ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, she's running against you. Your former secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, said he's not supporting you. You mentioned National Security Advisor John Bolton. He's not supporting you either. You mentioned Attorney General Bill Barr. Uh, says you shouldn't be president again. Uh, calls you the consummate narcissist and troubled man. You recently called and uh, Barr a, a gutless pig. Uh, your second defense secretary is not supporting you, called you irresponsible. This week, you and your White House called your White House chief of staff, John Kelly, weak and ineffective and born with a very small brain. You called your acting White House chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, a born loser. You called your first secretary of state, Rex Tillerson, dumb as a rock. And your first defense secretary, James Mattis, the world's most overrated general. You called your White House press secretary, Kayla Kennedy, milquetoast. And multiple times, you've referred to your transportation secretary, Elaine Chao, as Mitch McConnell's China loving wife. So why did you hire all of them? <laughs> like there's a lot there. For some reason, the one that made us all laugh, the gutless pig one just seems funny because it's like the type of thing, like there's just no chance he said that to his face. Like you're a gutless pig. It's like what you just say, like so stupid. Um, also, most people, by the way, just for the record, scientifically, most people are born with a small brain. The brain grows over a series of, for about, uh, what, 18, 20 years, your brain is gonna grow. If you if you are born with a giant brain, you've got a major problem. Uh, so that's just a sidebar. Uh, but anyway, it's up to you, like joking aside, it, it's up to you to decide, okay, the track record, like again, I gave him a lot of credit for not fully understanding the game, learning about the game, and again, I'm saying perhaps he would be much better at the game this time. Uh, but I wanted to show you that other clip because it's like the track record simply is not good. I wanna show you one other clip uh, from the Hannity uh, town hall last night uh, because Trump, th this is a really bizarre one. Help me work through this one. I'm going to try to analyze it as honestly as I can, as I always do. Trump had some very strong praise for Chinese President Xi Jinping. I will tell you that, but think of President Xi, central casting, brilliant guy. You know, when I say he's brilliant, everyone says, oh, that's terrible. You call it. Well, he runs 1.4 billion people with an iron fist. Smart, brilliant, everything perfect. There's nobody in Hollywood like this. Smart, brilliant, everything perfect, and he runs 1.4 billion people. Uh, that's an awful lot of credit you're giving a guy that has a society that's going through this.
我们要对这个人脸呢进行关键点的定位，我们需要定位出他的眼角，以及鼻尖啊、鼻翼和嘴角。描述完了以后呢，我们要去到库里边去做人脸的比对。Smart, brilliant, running everything perfect. 1.4 billion people. Now you may go, well, he's just saying he's smart and brilliant because he's able to do that. Trump wouldn't do that. But then the question, the next question would be, well, okay, if he didn't learn the lessons of the swamp, if he didn't bring in the right people, what's to stop the swamp from forcing him to do that? Even if it's him that doesn't want to do that, or whatever the authoritarian type thing is, but that he admires someone who can run a country of that many people. In in such a, an obviously horrific way, but Trump admires the success of that. Personally, I think that is a problem to some degree. I, I want to show you one other thing that happened related to to all the political nonsense of of yesterday, because of course the backdrop of all of this is that Trump got another nonsensical indictment, and I have no problem defending him on all of these indictments. And this is all crazy BS, and it's because he's running for president and everything else. There you go, cards on the table.、Uh, but he gets indicted, and then a, a video, a 14-second video of later in the day. Well, the indictment was two days ago, but then yesterday, a 14-second edited video of DeSantis responding to the Trump indictment was spread by virtually every single Trump. Surrogate and Trump-related account online. They were all sharing a 14-second video implying that DeSantis did not was not strong enough against the indictment. I want to show you the 14-second video. This was spread. It has been seen hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of times. 14 seconds. So you knew even before I saw the video, I was like, 14 seconds. It's obviously selectively edited. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of times. And listen to the way they made it sound like DeSantis was responding to the Trump indictment. Difference between. Being brought up on criminal charges and and doing things like, for example,、um, I think it was shown how he was in the White House and didn't do anything while while things were going on.、Uh, he should have come out more forcefully. Of, of course, that. Okay, so the Trump camp. I mean, I'm telling you, virtually every surrogate he has. I don't have to name the names, but virtually everyone he's got online, many of whom I've had on this show. Uh, we're sharing that clip, and the implication was this was Trump's fault. He didn't do anything. He was sitting at the White House. Now I want to show you the unedited version of that video.、Uh, this is from a reporter by the name of Meg Kennard. She was with the AP. She was a little bit further back in that room. Brought up on criminal charges and and doing things like, for example,、um, I think it was shown how he was in the White House and didn't do anything while while things were going on.、Uh, he should have come out more forcefully. Of course that. But to try to criminalize that—that's a different—that's a different issue entirely. And I think that we we want to be in a situation where you know you don't have one side just constantly trying to put the other side in jail. And and that unfortunately is is、uh, what we're seeing now. Do you see how fundamentally different those two clips are? And of course, the full clip never goes as viral as the edited clip. He's saying. Now you may disagree with him when he's saying, "Yeah, Trump could have said more." You may you may disagree with that, and that's that's an opinion. Whether Trump could have said more or anything else, he did say, you know, be peaceful and all that. But that's an opinion. 
His very next sentence is you should not be criminalizing this. And his very next sentence after that is we, in essence, we cannot have selective justice where we only go after one side. How much more can we possibly ask for in a clear, cogent way? And I think it's important to play that clip. I'm sure I'm going to get plenty of hate for it and probably have a bunch of people turn on me over it. Uh, but I think it's important because if this is, you know, this is the information war that we are left with, right? We are, we are in the midst of a matrix style information war where selectively edited clips can be put out and, and the truth, it's much harder. The truth runs slower than, than the quick hit of dopamine that you get when you think you can get the other guy. And this is a major, major problem. Anyway, now I want to jump over to the corporate press because CNN has been covering the Trump January 6th indictment. We don't even know what the full extent of the indictment is. Uh, I think they're gonna have a hell of a time proving that he incited a riot, but okay, let's put that aside for a moment. Here is CNN's Dana Bash with ever insightful information on the Trump arrest. Turns out even Jack Smith can't resist a $5 footlong. That's according to what we see right there, new and exclusive CNN video of the special counsel at Subway. Declining, though, to respond to reporters' questions about today's big news, a target letter sent to the former president of the United States, CNN's Evan Perez, was there <laughs> trying to track down the special counsel. I won't ask you all of the uh, less important things about what he got and yeah. how he paid and all that, but, but what is important is the imagery here. Uh, they clearly wanted right. us to see him uh, and... and that image to be very different from what we saw in the president, former president's post, which is that he's a, a deranged individual. <laughs> We're going to mostly focus on the sandwich and what this guy ate, six inch foot long. Did he get lettuce? How much mustard did he have on? And also he's deranged, by the way. You know, the guy's completely, completely, the way they frame, and by the way, that was exclusive video of CNN. My God, that's incredible. CNN had a man standing outside a subway. Holy sheep shit. But it continued, it wasn't just Dana Bash. I'm fairly certain this is her husband. Can you Google this real quick? Is Dana Bash married to John King? I'm 99% sure the answer is yes. They're gonna Google it while we show you John King also, also analyzing what Jack Smith had for lunch. And just one last point. Jack Smith, remember when the classified documents target letter, when Trump announced that, there was a lot of commentary. It was Jack Smith making a mistake here. Is he leaving this all to Donald Trump? And then they released the indictment and we all said, wow. Wow, we read it, we saw the documentation, we saw the level of detail. Jack Smith going to Subway today is a message to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump tries to intimidate people. He tries to bully people. He tries to scare you away. That was Jack Smith with no words and a simple $5 sub in his hand saying, I'm here, I'm not going to. Yeah, the imagery was, uh, uh, was intentional and spoke volumes. It really is. All right, first off, uh, we did a little Googling. Apparently Dana Bash and John King were married. Uh, they are now divorced. Let's just put that aside. It's funny that they're still working together on CNN is what it is. Uh, that is some of the dumbest analysis I have ever heard in my entire life. He honestly believes, and they sit there and they agree with him, that somehow Jack Smith having lunch, I mean, the guy just decided to go for lunch, that that was to send a message to Donald Trump. Like, you see, I'm so calm and cool and collected about this indictment that I can get a $5 six inch Subway sandwich, okay? That is, and they, they look at him as if that is a sensible thing to say that has any bearing to do with reality. Now, I actually do believe it might be coordinated because why was CNN standing outside the very subway that the guy was going into? Are they, are they tracking him all day? Like is CNN tracking the prosecutor all day long to follow him? I mean, that seems a little weird, but uh, that really sent a, it would have sent a message to Donald Trump if he would have gone to Orange Julius 
in the mall and been sucking down one of those gross orange things, like, see, orange man, I got you and I'm gonna suck you dry. That would have been something. By going to Subway, all he's proving is that he wasn't near a Jersey Mike's because Jersey Mike's is obviously way better than Subway, everyone knows that. But if you think that's stupid, and you probably do, I'd like to show you something even stupider. Whoopi Goldberg on The View. You know what's bothering me more, I'm sorry, about all of this, you know the, the young person that the, the young man they got for espionage recently? Yes. Yeah. The, he's, do you know that he's demanding to be treated exactly the same way as Trump yeah. was? He wants to be, yes, he wants to be able to go home yeah. and do everything. And that's the thing for me that is most egregious. Nobody goes home. And no when one should be above nobody, the law. Nobody is above the law. You should not be walking. You should actually be in the building right. that has the bars on it. Both of you. Okay, the kid that she's talking about is that kid from about, what was that, about six weeks ago or so who leaked some classified documents in a Discord group and now he is under arrest and we can have an honest discussion about whether he should be arrested right now or out on bail or anything else. Uh, but what, what Whoopi wants is just because Donald Trump is accused of something, right? Just because a DA, whether it's Alvin Bragg up in New York or it's this Jack Smith guy, just because they basically hand the indictment that Donald Trump should automatically be in jail. And then all of the harpies agree and all of the audience agrees. And do you realize how dangerous that would be if every time someone is accused of something, if we automatically throw them in jail until it can be proven? Do you think that might be a problem? Do you think that might be against due process? Yes, yes, you do. Okay, good. Uh, now to the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, they had historian, presidential historian, uh, Michael Beschloss on, and uh, he thinks Trump's on his way to becoming a dictator. Yep, that's right, the guy who's under indictment for like 87 things and four billion counts of this and that, he's the dictator. You know, as Lawrence O'Donnell said, uh, Michael Beschloss, Donald Trump holds the ultimate incentive for her, meaning he becomes yes, president, Clarence Thomas retires to permanently vacation with his billionaire friends, who, by the way, probably won't <laughs> want to take him anywhere anymore because he Eternal can't give him anything cruise. anymore. Right. And she gets on the Supreme Court in her right. late 30s. And then she had, there's no incentive for her to behave herself. If she's MAGA, she can MAGA, and there's nothing we can do about it. Well, and the other thing is we have to ask the question, just as Josh was saying, why did Donald Trump choose this moment to tell the American people that he will become a dictator if elected? Did Donald Trump tell the people he'll become a dictator if elected? Do we, Phoenix, did we drop the clip on that one? The Donald Trump, I'm going to be a dictator clip? Did Brock, are you on, you're on the computer a lot. Did we ever see the Donald Trump, I'm going to become a dictator clip? <laughs> and we, we try. We're doing the best we can over here. These people are ab. Absolutely nuts. But it continues with this specialist guy who's supposed to be, again, he's supposed to be a presidential historian, right? He's supposed to give perspective related to previous administrations and the personalities and behind the scenes, what makes a president and an administration go and all of that stuff. Uh, but he's mostly a Democrat activist. And if you don't believe me, here he is on both Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. Uh, Ron DeSantis actually offers a very good warning about what happens in a second Trump term with somebody who's right. learned his lessons instead of just being a bloviator that goes to Twitter when he's angry. Ron DeSantis is actually 
given him perfect examples. This is how you crush businesses. This is right. how you intimidate CEOs. Again, I, I was talking talking this past week and the, the Republican from uh, from that, that that's worked for the Republican Party for a generation who said DeSantis is the free state of Florida is a joke. I deal, this person said I deal with CEOs every day who are petrified, petrified that Ron DeSantis will notice them. And they're keeping their heads down. They're not doing it because they know he has the ability to use the power of the centralized state to crush them or to make their lives miserable. Right. And you've got the front runner of the Republican Party, Donald Trump, the number two candidate by polls, Ron DeSantis or DeSantis or whatever it is. They're both fascists. They both want authoritarianism in, in America. Can we try to get Michael Beschloss on the show? I want to have him emailed absolutely today. What an embarrassing, pathetic human being he is. They're fascists. Donald Trump, who's now under sham indictments, is the fascist. Ron DeSantis, who fought corporations working with governments against the will of the people, he's the fascist. He was fighting fascism, you moron. And, and And Joe Scarborough, who's just, you guys get it with Joe Scarborough, he just makes it up. The idea that that CEOs are afraid to come to Florida right now, Florida's economy is booming. We've basically taken all of Silicon Valley and moved it here. The amount of major money makers and the people, the movers and the shakers, including guys like Donald Trump, who have moved down to Florida, where there are no state income taxes, where we have friendly policies related to regulation and your ability to build a business here and live a full, fully actualized, thriving life. Everything they say, it's not just that they're lies, they're, they're 180 lies only designed to confuse you. And speaking of 180 lies only designed to confuse you, let me say something very controversial right now. If you're going through puberty as a boy, you're gonna have a male puberty experience. And if you're going through puberty as a girl, you're gonna have a girl, female puberty experience. You may go, Dave, what kind of segue is that? What could you possibly be doing next? Well, here's Dick Levine, our favorite Admiral Dick Levine, who was interviewed a a day or two ago, uh, being asked just to show you how crazy these people are. Everything they say is not just a lie. A lie would be one thing. We could put a lie in a pocket and we could get rid of it. Everything they do is a massive 180, smack you in the face with a fucking pie lie. That's what they do. Here's this woman, this man. Oh God, I almost did it. You You see what happened here? This guy. This guy is, just watch the video, just watch the video. What would you say to folks who think that they're being reasonable by saying, why can't children just wait till they're 18? Adolescence is hard and puberty is hard. What if you're going through the wrong puberty? What if you inside feel that you are female, but now you're going through a male puberty? He should be fired immediately. You cannot go through the wrong puberty. Your body is your body. When you are of a certain age, if you wish to dress whichever way you want and put lipstick on and all that shit, that's just fine. You cannot go through the wrong puberty. The fact that this person has anything to do with the health of anyone and that this guy, we've shown you the video, has repeatedly said that he is thrilled that he did not transition when he was young because his two children that he has, that he was the father to, now I suppose purports to be the mother, that those are the biggest joys in his life. And that's what he's trying to steal from 13-year-old kids. 
Well, we have an editing machine over here in the studio and we put together a little something. We're gonna show you the same clip with a little twist I think you're gonna enjoy. What would you say to folks who think that they're being reasonable by saying, why can't children just wait till they're 18? Adolescence is hard and puberty is hard. What if you're going through the wrong puberty? What if you inside feel that you are female, but now you're going through a male puberty? What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That's Billy Madison, peak Adam Sandler, I think around 1995, if I'm not mistaken. If I had a nickel for every time that I got stoned in college and watched that movie, I'd have a small fortune. Uh, but these people lie about everything, which is a perfect segue. We're nailing the segues today. Corinne Jean-Pierre, how is she going to tackle climate change? Well, they're doing it because of the Inflation Reduction Act. What now? and uh, we're doing everything that we can to tackle the root causes of climate change. This is why the Inflation Reduction Act is so important. Oh, the Inflation Reduction Act. So by printing a whole bunch of money that doesn't really exist, thus depressing the value of the dollar, we are going to somehow attack the root cause of climate change. Okay, okay. I should have drank before today's show, I really should have. Uh, so, all right, guys, what do we got to do here? We have to expunge these people from the national conversation. They can live in their alternate world. They can be citizens of the United States, but they should be mocked. They should be, they, they shouldn't have anything to do with any of our lives, right? Because they, what they do, it's not just that they lie about everything and that they're wrong about everything and they accuse you of all of these things. When you start making inroads, as DeSantis has done, for example, when you start doing things right in a flourishing Florida and you remove wokeness and you get ESG out of the institutions and things start working, then they lie and they trick you or they trick certain people to think that what you're doing is not good. Uh, here is former South Carolina state representative, now CNN analyst, Bakari Sellers, explaining why fighting wokeness is just the wrong, it's just wrong, it's just not in touch with America. Why would Americans care if their sons are having their wangs cut off? It's completely out of touch with, with what most Americans are feeling. You know, Joe Biden is out here talking about Bidenomics, and his disconnect is trying to make sure that Bidenomics meets people in their pockets. Wokeness, or whatever Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and everybody else want to say, is so far away from the average everyday American. These people who are working in this, as you can probably hear in the background, working on this hotel across the street, they're not worried about wokeness. They're worried about insurance. Yeah. They're worried about making sure that their, you know, that their pocketbooks are filled. They're not worried about somebody being too woke in whatever aspect of the government it is. And so that is my point to uh, Ron DeSantis. He's running against this fairy. He's running against an, imagine, an imagination. But at least Donald Trump is running on it, policies that I disagree with, but he's run on before, which he can articulate, help strengthen some part of the economy. So Chris, that's the difference. Chris all right, first off, he's doing the quiet part out loud thing. He's showing you that as a leftist progressive activist pretending to be a journalist or whatever he is, he's telling you that he wants Donald Trump to run because Ron DeSantis is the real threat. So sometimes they do that thing accidentally when they pull the curtain. That's one thing. Secondly, everything he said there is complete nonsense. Our economy is actually 
flourishing here in Florida, despite the Inflation Reduction Act and all of those things. We have the largest influx of people that have ever been here. Buildings are going up left and right. You guys get it. The, all of the amount of tourism set a record in the first half of the year. I'm sure 2023 will, fig will figure as the best tourism in the history of Florida. All, all of that. You, you guys get all that stuff. Uh, but also this, this notion that people don't care about the woke stuff, that they don't care about their children being taught all the sex stuff, all the race stuff, and all that is complete nonsense. And again, you only have to look at the way that the guy crushed it in the last election to know that the, the results, like don't, don't, it doesn't matter what you think about the policy, where do people leave and where do they come and what happens in the elections uh, that happened in that place? Well, the guy won by freaking 20 points. Uh, here's DeSantis, one more clip from that Tapper interview explaining exactly why fighting wokeness matters. Hopefully Bakari Sellers will check out this clip. So I hear you, recruitment without question is a problem. The Army did this survey, uh, I'll give you a copy of it if you want, they haven't released it, but I got my hands on a copy, and it looked at, it surveyed people, I think 16 to 28 barriers to service, and beyond the ones such as don't want to die, don't want to be injured, don't want to be away from my family. The biggest issues were the number two issue, women and racial or ethnic minorities are discriminated against in the Army. Wokeness is listed here, but it's only, it's only number nine. Um, so that would suggest that wokeness is not as big. Well, but I think there's an issue about, like, not everyone really knows what wokeness is. I mean, I've defined it, but a lot of people who rail against wokeness can't even define it. And so I think it's a sense of, you know, this is not something that's, that's holding true to the core martial values that make the military unique. Uh, and I can tell you, the veterans, you don't have to look far and wide. Go to a VFW hall, go to an American Legion. Uh, there's huge amount of concern about the direction uh, that the military is going with all this. And we just know that's true. You don't even have to go to a VFW hall to see that. Like we know that every time you see those ads for the military and every time you see the videos that are leaked out and they've got a bunch of guys dressed as girls in drag queen story hours at military bases and all of this nonsense and that military recruitment is now way low. But what Jake wants to do is he doesn't really want you to think about that. He, that's number nine. There's a whole bunch of other stuff as if you can't do two things at once. So of course, there is a huge amount of concern over the direction of the country. And the guy that they seem to all be focused on hating the most uh, is the guy that's actually doing the most to fight that very thing. So we have to figure out who, who is the enemy, what are the bad set of ideas, and how do we defeat them? And now to end the show, we will give you a throwback clip, old school, former Prime Minister of England, Margaret Thatcher, summarizing who the enemy actually is. The essence of socialism is that you surrender quite a bit of power over your own life to the state. Well, we all do that to some extent, but of course it went much further. Uh, you pay very high taxes and they wish to um, take even higher taxes because they think that politicians can spend money better than the people can spend it. The more you take away, the less there is for private industry. And that's where the creation of wealth comes. So you have to establish very clear limits on the role of government. And really, you know, politicians, I think, should sometimes just be a little bit more modest about their abilities than they are. We can't run everything, and we shouldn't try. You know, when the state does everything for you, it'll soon take everything from you. You will then have no basis for personal freedom, political freedom, nor economic freedom. It's brilliant, it's true, and it's actually quite chilling. As Joe Scarborough 
calls the people who fight the collusion between government and corporations fascists. That's the truth right there. That's the truth. The more that you ask for the government, the more that you demand the government do for you, the more that you become a slave to that government, the more you become a slave to the machine. We have a couple people right now in this country who are trying to fight that. And we have a whole corporate press and a big tech monstrosity and a bunch more that are trying to destroy those people, whether they're Donald Trump or they're Ron DeSantis, regardless of who you happen to like more at the moment. And there's other people as well. And the challenge is for you to figure out how you can fight alongside of them. That was a Margaret Thatcher impersonation. By the way, Brock announced in the middle of that clip that until three months ago, he thought that Margaret Thatcher was actually a member of the Golden Girls. So it's all very confusing around here. On that note, we've got a post-game show for you at rubenreport.locals.com. In about 30 seconds, we leave you with more gaffes from the elderly man pretending to be president. See you tomorrow. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. And why can't for the longest time, Delaware had the highest cancer rate in the nation. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him, uh, foot, foot, excuse me. Mr. Haney? We're doing it for the first time now in the 20 cent, 21st century, going into the 20s, from the 20th century going into the second quarter of the 21st century, that we'd say 12 years is enough. I think 12 years is enough in the, going into 20, 30, 40, 50. The rebuilding of, uh, of, uh, of Syria, of, uh, of Libya, of, you know, this is, they're there. And I want to thank the prime minister of for Colombia's leadership and the ASEAN's ASEAN chair. tuning into the Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.